Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillon. And this is episode 111. Seven. This is the last time we will do this until like episode 1000. <laughs> we dropped the ball a lot of times because it would be episode 100, 110, 101, 101. Yeah. And yeah. Episode one, episode 10, episode yeah. 11. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but the next time we can do the, do a binary joke would be episode 1,000. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make a pact with you right now. If we end up doing 1,000 of these episodes, then we we must do that. <laughs> Everyone will remember. <laughs> yeah, I'll be retired by that time. Yeah. Man, that's going to be That's a years. lot of shit to talk about. Yeah, it's like nine years from now. <laughs> that is a lot of stuff to talk about. Ah, cool. So okay. Steven, Last yeah. week you had we're talking about uh, no you didn't talk about your scent last week yeah, I, I'm, you talked about it a little bit I'm, I'm, I just mentioned it but but yeah. but uh, you know I, I've 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 actually brought it in because I wanted to show Parker uh, an interesting thing about it this is way nicer than the case I built you it's yeah it's, it's, <laughs> and a lot more expensive uh, that's true because that case what didn't cost anything no it was like twenty dollars <laughs> in materials yeah, it, was like, it was like nothing so um we're not actually going to be talking about the synth today dough. but i wanted to show parker something um an, an artifact that's happening with it uh and we'll talk about Wait, the synth in the future it belongs in the museum oh yeah yeah or is it a different kind of it's one of those ones where you have to like bring a bag of sand and you have to like quickly like swap, swap it, it out. out yeah or a big or a big ball is going to roll after you <laughs> These are the these are the other things I design in my off time, like big traps, booby traps, and big stuff. booby traps. How <laughs> oh, you do in Star Wars, though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah we play we play a Star Wars RPG, and yeah. I'm the game master, and it's my job to make booby traps. <laughs> booby traps. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so I have this in, uh, sitting right here, uh, and will you please flip it on, Parker, and tell me what happens? It powers up for a brief moment, and then LEDs dim, and then it cycles over and over again. That's right. Okay, so flip it off, because I don't know how long it can actually do that. Uh, so so I have a power module on this that, that delivers um, positive and minus 12 volts mm-hmm. and a 5-volt rail. None of my modules actually use 5 volts, so that's just there. So it's only pulling current on the 12-volt and the negative 12-volt rail. Okay. And uh, nothing particularly special there. Flip over my case real quick. I want to show you something. So look at, there's one module in particular. It's got a lot of capacitors on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you dead bugged a lot on there. I dead bugged a bunch of capacitors. So uh, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about uh, something that, that people might run into. And this is not specific to synthesizers. This could be any circuit whatsoever. Um, so I found out that with this circuit, I didn't have enough bypass um, capacity on it. It, the, well, those the, weren't bypass. Those are bulk capacitance. Well, sort of, yes. Uh, but but check this out. So this this particular module is a low-frequency oscillator. Mm-hmm. So it has to be able to deliver current that changes very slowly. Uh, it goes down to a uh, the lowest frequency is uh, a tenth of a hertz. So it, it oh, changes it can linearly. A, it can play a brown note. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The brownest. <laughs> so, so it, it, it's a linear ramp at a tenth of a hertz. Well, you, you know, to get something to actually oscillate properly that way, you actually have to have pretty clean power supplies because you have this slow changing current that can actually screw things up. Well, before these capacitors were on here, and and I've got about sixteen hundred microfarads of extra capacitance Ooh. on this thing. 
before they were on there, I wasn't getting linear ramps on a sawtooth wave. Okay. I was getting curved. A curve? Yeah, and, and it wasn't a nice curve because um, the, the circuitry behind it is actually switching on I got it. certain things. It's called a shark fin. Pretty much. It, we have a actually, new wave design. If, if you look on the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a crappy design, turn it into something good. Yeah. New, yeah. new just, just rename it. And turn rename that, it. that is a marketing sales ploy if I've ever heard it right there. Yeah. Shark Don't fix the rhythm. problem. Just ma- make people think that they need your problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so I started... I, when I first found this problem, I was like, damn, that sucks. Because really, it has to do a bit with my layout, and it has to do a bit with how the circuit goes. I opted for a layout that's probably not the best for this, and I was just kind of trying it out, where all of my chips are on power rails that are huge and beefy, but they all steal current sequentially on, this, on these rails, and so they're basically cross-talking to each other. Gotcha. So I had to have enough bulk capacitance or bypass capping across the, gotcha. the rails okay. to make each one act independently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the problem with it is that module works fine now. Everything's great. Why is it causing this device, to my, my synth, to oscillate on and off? It doesn't stay on. It's because the power supply module that I have is actually a switching mode. Gotcha. And it does not like to have that much capacitance on it. So the inrush current of all of those caps are causing it to just crap the bed, and it goes into shutoff mode. Well, as soon as it does that, all that inrush current goes away, and mm-hmm. so it's like, let's turn back on, and it'll just keep doing that until keep it cycling. dies. Yeah. So I noticed the, the name. It's called MicroZeus. You should got a Mega Zeus. You know the funny. Uh, this company, they're <laughs> called Tip Top Audio. Uh, this this whole like case plus the power supply is like a one unit you can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy the upgrade pack, which is a higher current output for the Zeus. Uh, is it a Mega Zeus? It's called like the Boost Pack or something like that. Uh. I wish it was a Mega Zeus. Uh, so the problem, the thing is like. It should be able to. It has way more of enough headroom to supply my entire my entire thing. So instead of spending more money on just brute forcing my way through it, I would rather redesign the circuit or find a dead bug way that I can put it in there such that it doesn't happen. And that, if if people haven't ever like dealt with this before, a slow start circuit is actually a, a pretty good way. Of Another term that for that is. Um Soft start. Uh, soft start. Yeah. So it's basically a time delay and and inrush current limiter. Choke. Choke. Yeah, it's another one to say. In, yeah. in fact, uh like in giant du- inductors. Inductors, yeah. <laughs> Once they get to a certain size, people stop calling them inductors, they call them chokes, chokes. for this exact reason. Because yeah. they choke off that current. inrush current. Yep. Uh, chokes were actually used a lot in power supplies back in the day because chokes were cheaper than caps to make yeah. back in the well, day. Because it was just a ferrite ring and you wrapped copper around it. Yeah, there wasn't anything special about it uh, that would make it that expensive. But nowadays, obviously, it's the opposite. Now, the thing is, chokes, because you can make a reactive tank circuit with them, you can do a choke and a cap, they actually make an excellent filter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to do that on this one. I could, I could just slap some uh, inductors on there, but I want to do an active uh, device. So, have you ever heard of a capacitance multiplier? No. Uh, so, if you make an RC filter, just mm-hmm. resistor cap, low, low pass, yeah. and you put the junction between that to a, uh, a the the uh, between the resistor and the cap where they touch, uh-huh. if you put that to a base or a gate of a transistor, and then you use the emitter. Uh, as an output, you actually 
effectively multiply what that capacitance is in that RC circuit by the gain of the transistor. Gotcha. So if you okay. have like a one nanofarad capacitor and uh, a, a transistor with a gain of 100, you now effectively have an active one microfarad capacitor. Yep. What's cool about that is you can take the benefits of the faster or slower charging times, uh, but the transistor will literally choke off all of the inrush current. Mm-hmm. So you can, that's, that's a really, really cheap and easy way of getting more capacitance out of. But the only things. thing is your transistor has to be able to support how much current you're th- flowing through it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you have to deal with the fact that if you're doing a BJT transistor, you will have at least 0.7 volts drop, drop across through. it. Or if you're using a MOSFET, it's whatever that MOSFET is. They're, they're, it's on, well, if it turns all the way on, so it's in saturation, then you're at like whatever it's on resistance is. Right, right. So it can be anywhere from like hundreds of ohms to like milliohms. Right. Well, yeah. Right. And 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 that'll that depends on a bunch of things like your your cur- the current that is like your steady state current and just a handful of things. Regardless, I don't need the full twelve volt power supplies on this particular module. Um, I can get away with dumping a little bit of juice in an active circuit. So instead of making it look ugly with a bunch of dead bug caps on the back, I'm going to make a soft start, soft start uh, circuit right at the input. Uh, and just blast it with a ton of extra capacitance because if I use like, if I use a multiplier, I can do one cap that is basically the same as like a thousand microfarads, yeah, and just multiply it up. So that doesn't always work, um, but it's a cheap way of kind of if you have some extra headroom in your power supply, you can actually kind of like fake more capacitance and in this case i have plenty of capacitance because the circuit actually works i just need it to smooth a little bit more so this is a really good candidate for that so you keep the big capacitors on it uh the 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 capacitors that are currently in the circuit not the ones that are dead bugged on the back i'm gonna pop the dead bugs off so how well i i thought the the problem was you just didn't have enough bypass there, so you needed that. Yeah, well, I can use this active circuit as bypass. Really? In between, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, also, most of my bypass is across the rails, not to ground. So, from the positive 12 to the oh, negative 12. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm considering if I want to, like, double up and have, you know, the positive 12 to ground and the negative 12 to ground. There's a lot of options on there, but regardless... I just kind of wanted to bring it up because I was I saw, this happened and I was like, oh, really? Okay. Well, th- at least it's a topic for the podcast, you know. So something fun there. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, I'll actually the, I got to step away from the mic real quick, so so Parker can tell you what what I'm doing here. But uh, okay. I, I want to show you like there's actually a really quick fix for it. Okay. So Steven's stepping up. He's walking around the desk. He turned it on. It's doing its thing. He unplugged it and he's just gonna plug it back in. Yeah, it works now. So I guess the the inrush current of all the modules are causing this problem, too. Yes and no. Uh, because if you just have that one module as the only thing plugged in, it's still... Oh. It's still uh, kind of... So it's something up. with the stable state not being there for that power supply yet. That's right. Yeah, so those caps are drawing too much yep. before it gets into a, a decent spot. Yeah. Now, there is one more option that I could do. And it's kind of the easiest of them all options. Um, I actually have some resistors right at the input of the power. The 12-volt rails mm-hmm. for each module goes through 10-ohm resistors. I could probably make those 20-ohm, or I could probably make them 100-ohm. Uh, and 
you know, yes, they'll drop a little bit of voltage, but they might slow it down just enough for the power supply to kick on. The only problem is with that kind of solution, that would work currently as it is. What would happen if I were to double my my module count? What if I added more load? That wouldn't guarantee anything for the future. It's just if I really wanted it to work right now without those ugly caps on the back, I could change some resistors, but I don't care that much. I'd buy a Mega Zeus. A (laughs) Mega Megazoos or two Zeus, two micro Zeuses, dual Zeus, dual Zeus, or or you know, put a linear power supply in there, not a switcher. Yeah, and because a linear a linear will not give up until until somebody loses. Yeah, it will, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it will not stop. Yeah, it will it won't it it will be the linear power supply that loses. Uh, it will burn yeah. up. It will melt a hole in your desk. Yeah, you ask a linear power supply for more current, and it just goes okay. Let's do yeah. it. Until something happens. Until something happens. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. If you ask a poorly designed linear power supply, yeah. it will do that. Yeah. Because some have, like, thermal cutoff and you know, fancy um, stuff. Yeah, current limiting, whatever. Yeah, even, yeah. what, 7805s have thermal cutoffs. Oh, yeah. So. I've gotten them there before. <laughs> <laughs> I have imprints on my wooden desk of the TOS, oh, TO220 footprint. Like from from it burning it into, burning into my <laughs> that's great desk yeah yeah like <laughs> if you ever uh, yet yeah, now like if you ever look at something of course you know what it looks like but if you're ever like oh man i don't know what it looks like you can just put it in the footprint of, of <laughs> on your desk and be like yeah it's a 220 <laughs> <laughs> that's what you should do you should burn in uh every package on there, every regular package yeah. just, i was actually because there's is that silly thing where like you know how people get tattoos but other people get brands you want like, you want a seventy eight oh five on your shoulder? Just a, a TO two two zero package brand. <laughs> That's like the nerdiest gang um, yeah, initiation exactly. ever. ever. <laughs> There's yeah. like a guy on a chair. He's like, ah, as it's burning away his shoulder. <laughs> he's pumping like a hundred watts into one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That yeah. is gross. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's that's my segment. <laughs> Uh, so, we had two weeks ago, we had and not XOR on. Yep. Um, we had Zap, we had uh, Bitstream, and, and Hyron. And Hyron. And I think we talked a l- mentioned a little about building a badge for the Fab. Yeah. For DEF CON. Cool. And so, I'm thinking if we do a quick, like, 10 minute, like, let's come up with some ideas. Well, isn't it supposed to be secret? Or, or is the community designing it with us? I it could be, but I was thinking. So this is what I, I want. I wanted to be a belt buckle. <laughs> That's so Texas. I love yes, it. Exactly. Yeah. And no one's yes, done this yet. Yeah. That's that's all. Oh. <laughs> you get all these guys like bumping their buckles together everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That is. Yeah. No. They. I think we might get in trouble if we yeah, do something of that, that one. <laughs> uh, This is this is one of the first ideas that our marketing uh, person has put onto the podcast. <laughs> Clicking belt buckles yeah. together. Thank you. Iris. It'd be like it's. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like um, Captain Planet when they put the rings up, but it's like belt buckles instead. Wh- why don't we do that? Like Wayne's World belt buckles, like Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, well, make them like Pokemon badges, where they, you got all these different elements and stuff. You, so you could con- collect like eight different badges. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking because everyone does like custom lanyards, yeah. so we can do custom belts. Oh, okay. so we have Max Fab on the belt. Are they are they ESD belts? Probably not. 
<laughs> oh, we can get really nerd me suspenders. That, yeah, that, that, that that might even be too far. No, I think I you too took far. it too far. too far. We need to go back to clicking belts. <laughs> clicking belt buckles together. <laughs> um, so it's got to have a lot of LEDs. Of RGB. Course. Yeah, of course. that's the thing. Um, Is it in the shape of a Texas? Probably not. All right, all right. I was thinking we'd have to just be a grid, and so you can put graphics, so it, you can put Texas on it and stuff like that. Enough resolution, so you can get Texas on there. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, though I don't, you'd have to have a really high dot pitch to, like, even fit Texas on there. And and it's not gonna have burning seventy eight oh fives on it, right? No, no. no. We'll probably do switchers that keep power power draw down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't, maybe Texas is too big to fit on a belt buckle. No. Are you kidding me? The rodeo is going on right now. I guarantee you that Texas is not too, like. There's probably a thousand people with Texas belt buckles that are you know a foot wide. Yeah, <laughs> that's got to be so uncomfortable. <laughs> so belt buckle. Yeah, and so a lot of them have like these like like puzzles and stuff, but they start those puzzles like months ago, so we're behind the time. Yeah. So I was yeah, thinking. Sure. What if we made it a tool to help people hack badges? Ah. So, do like a built-in DLA. I was just about to say, yeah, have a DLA. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what would be hilarious? Okay, this this makes me think of, um, remember, I, I think his name is Data from the Goonies. Uh-huh. He had an Altoids can as a That's belt buckle. That's not the Goonies, I don't think. No, it's totally the Goonies, yeah. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, okay, he had an Altoids can, and he and it flipped down, and he had, like, a rescue rope that extended out of it. This is the Goonies 2. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, she, she, um, oh, no, 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 you know what? That, uh, was that, oh, no, under his shirt, he had the, the boxing glove. Yeah. That was on, like, a, a big, like, extendo arm That's thing. right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, no, you're right, it's in that movie. Actually, it wasn't a rescue rope. I remember now, he had a little, um, it was a dart with a suction cup on it, and he shoots it out of his crotch and hits a, hits a, a drum and, like, ro- like fishing reels it into yeah. his belt buckle. Yeah. So, my thought was, like, what if you had a DLA cable that kind of, like, extended out of this belt buckle? That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. And you hook it up to other people's badges and stuff. Yeah. And then hook it into your computer. So I started looking into that, this idea. Okay. And the bus pirate is an open source DLA. Okay. And so we can basically pilfer pirate. Well, I guess fork it, I guess. You fork the bus pirate and make it a badge and mm. put a ton of LEDs. And that's that would make a pretty good badge, I think. That would be hilarious if it acted like a scope, but like somebody's like down looking at. Oh, look at the waveform! Like, at the waveform! Oh, mind, <laughs> mind blown! It's, that's so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> that might require. We could let's okay. We'll but, put but, the delay in it. But we consider this. Remember that that oscilloscope, the DSO one three eight. That was like two dollars or whatnot. Yeah. I understand that's like. Uh, fake ones it's fake ones and stuff but they were able to pull it off for like super cheap with like a full custom screen and everything on there like you could they, the firmware for that's open source you could just take that and put a scope so in put a belt LEDs all around it and put the screen there too. yeah put a screen as a scope there and like yeah if you need to go sniff a badge you, so, got, you got the belt sniffer in our slack channel let us know if you want us to do a DLA or a scope or both. <laughs> both would be nice, both but I think it's going to require a little bit too much time yeah. to do. At least for this next year, both. For sure. 
I'm almost I'm almost thinking like if the belt. I, of course, now we're getting expensive, but but if the belt was like magnetic, where you could either have a DLA or a scope, you just kind of like clip it onto the front <laughs> of the belt. It's just like you, you, you pick if you're an analog guy or if you're a digital guy, you just magnetically clip on whichever one is your your jam. Oh, I got so next year what we have to do. Okay, so this year is this because this is within the realm of getting it done by August, right? Because <laughs> that's what we got. To think maybe of. maybe. <laughs> no, that's, knowing us, maybe. maybe. But it's like you have to get done. Two months in advance to start your production run. Kickstarter too. Yeah, yeah, and a Kickstarter. So you have to. Yeah, because we don't know any electronics manufacturers. No, we do. we don't no. know anyone who can do it. No, exactly. Nearby. Is so next year it's making a proper utility belt. Mm-hmm. Oh, like a Batman belt. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. So you can have like soldering irons and and uh, scopes and yeah. yeah. It, it it charges <laughs> it charges everything with you when you walk. Oh, no. nice. Oh, kinetic energy yeah. charger. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a uh, uh, jewel thief. Yeah, yeah, jewel thief. So so you know you have to walk like fifteen miles to be able to solder one joint, but it will do it. It will do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine everyone just jumping up and down, charging their devices up. Like they plug their phone in, and it's like just, just like kangaroo jumping around it at DeathCon twenty seven. Right, and <laughs> and they're never Death allowed Con- back at. Defcon twenty eight. No, I said Deathcon. Deathcon. It's Defcon. <laughs> a full on hacker utility belt. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think we can pull that off next year. So yeah. So yeah, let us know what what should our belt buckle do. We'll talk about it on the podcast next time. Yeah. So on the topic of DLAs, Saley. Who builds all those really fancy DLAs that you can get. Yeah. So we have one here at the shop. We have like a Logic Pro 8, which is really nice. Um, that, that's the mid-model, right? Yeah, mid-range. Yeah. Like there's a Sealy like normal, and then there's the Pro 8, and then there's a Pro 16. Right. Yeah. And the Pro 16, um, w- uh, it, it's the same speed, right? It's yeah. just more channels. More channels. Yeah. And so what they did is they there's a new firmware update that gets you the full USB 3.0 bandwidth now. Ah. So you get 50% more speed. Wow, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, for free. Well, way to go, Saley. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Cuz uh uh I know I know a handful of companies that they would be releasing that as a whole brand new product right now. Whole new pro- uh Saley Elite, Logic Elite. Oh my gosh, yeah. What's after Pro? Um Commander. Commander? Yeah, Commander. <laughs> yeah. Commander model. Yeah, the Lieutenant is what we have, uh, and then it goes to Commander. Yeah. Commander? Yeah. So, yeah. That's pretty cool that they just said, yeah, if you have a Sealy Pro Logic, yeah, you get this for free. I actually kind of like that Logic Commander. Logic Commander. That's that's pretty good. I might use that as like a, a handle online. Or make it a module for your synth. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, the Logic Commander. You know, actually, um, one, one, one uh, module that I've been thinking about making is um, uh, a handful of guys make it. It's super cheap. It's just gates, and that's it. Oh, uh, like Logic it, Gates? Yeah, it just, and there's, there's just a bunch of inputs and outputs. And if you want to take like a sine wave and and it with a triangle that's filtered, you just plug them in however you want. And, and then you Logic have Commander? Yeah, and that, that's the Logic that, Commander. That's an awesome. That's, yeah, you got to do it. Okay, that is sick. <laughs> I'm doing that, yeah. I really like that. Um, so, next topic. So, oh yeah. So, thumbs up to Saley for that. Oh yeah, way, way to go. Yeah. Um, An engineer made that decision, not a salesperson. <laughs> Probably That's for sure. Well, maybe not. 
Yeah, you're right. Sales would not have done that. No, Marketing would have done, done, done it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Tented versus non-tented vias. Ooh. Yeah. So, what's the difference between them, Stephen? Um, uh, one is covered with stuff and one is not covered what's with stuff. What's that stuff? Uh, solder mask. Cool. So yeah, you know your basics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, basically you can uh, you can tell your board house to uh, put solder mask goop over uh, your via holes if you so want to. So want to. So why would you want to do that? Uh, ingress of crap down in the hole if you want to cover that up. That's one reason. Yeah. So I was I started looking into like why you would. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly it's to keep solder paste from you know gooping down into your via mainly if you're like vias are really close to pads or whatever right but it's like why would you want a via that's out in the middle of nowhere not to be capped or to be capped why would it matter um, so I saw, so, i'm not sure so i was looking into the it, like more into like why would you want to keep that it caps because it doesn't really matter so, so like okay so it doesn't really matter from like electrical perspective or oh, manufacturing. It, you would hope it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you would hope it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but what I know is they use a liquid to do the solder mask, and then they like bake it, right? Right. Yeah. Or UV cure. Yeah. I would UV. Say. Yeah. UV cure. Um, so apparently, though, is this liquid doesn't make a perfect seal sometimes, and so okay. it has a hole in it, and so if you do like water washing or flux, that stuff can actually get oh, in there. I got you. And it can't get washed out. Gotcha. And so... And it can corrode and so uh, it can the copper. Corrode or the, well, the out. Yeah. It's copper down there. Uh, Well, it's gold-plated. Well, but maybe no, not. It's not, because they do solder mask first. Yeah, 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 you're right. Okay, I see, I see, yeah. So you're, you're preventing corrosion. Yeah, so if you leave it unmasked, you prevent corrosion from building up from a... Um, from stuff getting in there and then corroding. Like right. flux and stuff right. and water. But if you leave it unmasked, eventually that gold tarnishes and starts corroding on its own. So it's uh, it's there's not a I was looking online. There's not a definite like what you should do hmm. in this field. Well, this okay. So, so so the only place that I know of where it's just like by default a good idea is when you're doing uh, like high um, high density BGAs. Yes, and you've got a, a via in between a quad of BGA pads. You you tent that yes because the, the dog boning of yep. via in the pad yeah you cap that because you do not want less paste to reflow off your yeah because it's a, it's, it's a giant pain in the ass to fix a BGA and it's even harder to figure out if you've actually made that mistake if yep. it's if you know looking down into a BGA is incredibly difficult so you do everything you possibly can to make sure that the BGA is going to stick well and each pad only is connected to what it needs to be connected to. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so under yeah, BGA... Yeah, out in the open is kind of funky. And, yeah, so under BGA, always cap. Yeah. If it's out in the open, it kind of doesn't... It seems like it doesn't matter because there's, there's pros and cons. Yeah. The pros of capping it is um, it prevents long-term corrosion from happening, whereas the other way, if you leave it... Uh, if you cap it egress of water during the manufacturing process or flux can stay in there and cause problems. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose so you if you were really it. if you were really into 
like figuring out the environmental effects on your board um it, it's another layer of protection if you wanted to uh like if you were going to pot your boards or if you were going to conformal coat them um you could have that on there as just another protection layer so mm -hmm. if you know let's say you have a board that's going to be in the middle of a swamp in louisiana at 110 degrees for its entire life it might be a good idea to you know consider some extra protection there it's going to be wet all the time it's mm -hmm. going to be hot maybe that's a good situation for it um i don't know i might be grasping at straws here maybe i'm just thinking like the only reason why you would cap something like that is to protect it against the environment yeah um or but you would conformal coat it so it wouldn't matter so you would have it i would say if you're conformal coating your board you would leave it open so that you make sure it was clean before you conformal coat it. Well, I was just saying like two levels of oh, okay. of protection. Uh, you know, another another thing I could I, I was uh, just came to mind is like if you have test points around your board, mm -hmm. you might cover vias around a test point in case like a probe would slip or something like that. You don't want to short out on something or touch well, something it couldn't. And that's the thing is, if you're doing prototypes, you might want to leave them uncapped because so they make good them, test points. They make good test points. Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. happen to hold your probe <laughs> as you're like doing something else with the other hand. You know, I've actually. I've never experienced this, but I've read a handful of times on the internet where people are like, don't do that because your probe can dig through. Because yeah. vias are incredibly thin. Oh, yeah. It's just the thickness of the electroplating. Yeah, plus whatever film, if they put one underneath it. Yeah. Uh, some, some manufacturers do. So I've never experienced that. And when I know I'm going to use a via as, as a potential test pad, I'll make the annular ring a little bit bigger. But... Uh, you know, that's something to consider. If yeah. you're jamming test probes a lot down in one hole, you might actually break connection. Yeah. Oh. Or, like, poke through into another layer if it's a multi-layer board. You could do that if you don't have enough isolation. Because you got to think, is like, most of the time, your EDA tool will put, like, 10 mils of isolation, mm -hmm. which is not a lot. <laughs> no. And your probe can easily just poke through. Especially those, like, I have those really sharp ones. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because they're great because they get, like... They'll poke through like conformal coating and like flux and stuff. Yeah, and so they and they they, uh, they uh, cut through oxide layers. Yeah, uh, um, which but is I could see nice. those like if you put it into a via and jabbed it, it would go through into another layer. Yeah, if you caveman your board, you, that's what you can <laughs> expect. Caveman your board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Okay, so there there is actually another thing above and beyond this. Um, we can touch on real quick, but like plugged vias. Yes. Uh, have you ever done plugged vias? I have. I've had c customers do it. We've had customers do it. Yeah. But I, I've, I've, I've plugged a via myself. I've never asked for it, though. <laughs> Doing what? So, oh, just getting soldered down inside of, oh, the, of oh, the via. Oh, okay, that yeah. kind. Okay. Yeah. So, so a plugged via is kind of like a glue in a, in a oh, sense. Oh, no. Let's, let's step back to the... Yeah, yeah, go just, for it. No, for this it. just brought it up. These plug-in vias oh. is if you're doing uh, wave soldering. Yeah, you don't want you don't want the wave to go up your via and spill out all over your board, solder balls, messing with other SMT parts and stuff. So you'd want to cap it then. Sure, but if your via has a big enough hole such that the wave from a I mean, that, I guess that, I can, that can't that. happen. I've seen that, that happen. You, okay, before, yeah, you're so. right. That's that's yeah. That's a good yeah. good application there. Uh, yes, that can happen. Even with the selective solder, yeah, uh, we've seen that happen before uh, on adjacent through hole pads and things. Yeah. yeah. So, or you could plug your vias, and it would solve that issue also. Yeah, exactly. Um, which plugging a via, come to think about it, in, in a wave solder application, might not even be bad because a plug 
via is basically they just squirt glue down into the hole. And then cap over it with the electroplating. Right. And then if you wave solder on top of that, you've created yet another layer of, of protection on top of that because the wave solder is just going to stick to whatever that mm-hmm. is. In fact, you see that a lot on like um, TV boards and things like that. They have little, like all the vias are just little domes. domes. Yeah. You see, hmm. you see that a whole bunch in there in that application. Huh, interesting. I wonder if that keeps corrosion down or something. Because yeah. you're putting tin on top of the the finish. I, you know, I don't. I'm not sure. I, you know, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me with with those kinds of boards. They're meant to be as cheap as possible. I they're probably you. not even gold plated. They probably just rely on the tin plating. Yeah, they they might not even be hassled finish from the factory. It might be just straight copper. I've I have seen that before. Yeah. 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 So uh, um, you, if you're doing that, you have to prepare the board ahead of time, though. Yeah. Because that copper will tarnish if it just sits well, in a box. Remember we talked we talked about different types of finishes before. There is that one that's the oh the uh, the uh, organic one. Yeah, I bet yeah. you that's what they use. Where it looks like matte copper. It it looks like pre-tarnished copper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. bet you that's what they use. And then so they just wave the whole thing to put tin on everything. Yeah, that, uh, that maybe. So plugged vias. Yeah. If you do via and pad underneath the BGA, plug them. Do that. Um, but some like some processors or like some QFNs that have like thermal pads, you shouldn't plug those <laughs> because <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah, because you actually want the paste to kind of suck away from that ground pad. Yes. Because then it sucks the package down and makes a really good coplanar surface for it. Um, I would say that's actually one of the biggest issues we run into at Macrofab is that uh, pads underneath components uh, are, are improperly designed mm-hmm. and they lift components. Yeah, they lift the component up. And, and, and the thing about it is, like, uh, in, in a lot of cases, they, they don't just lift the component. They might only lift, like, a, a, few, a few pins. Yeah. And then we've had situations where boards sort of work uh, and it's really hard to detect. Yep. Uh, and so... Follow the manufacturer's uh, recommended thermal pads, especially the the paste. Yes. Um, what I always do, even if uh, a lot of times the manufacturer will just be like, "Eh, whatever." Like, there's the footprint. Do whatever you want for the paste. It's like, thanks. Yeah. Uh, microchip. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, actually, I, as I always window my th- pads. Underneath. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll put about I I do about two-thirds of the whole surface area is a good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. And then if it's a thermal pad, I'll put vias through and to help suck even more away. Yeah, and well, and, and vias help with dissipating heat, too. Yes. Uh, they can get the heat away from the chip. Yeah. Uh, so don't go hog wild with the vias, though. Put, put a decent amount, but don't just make it like a giant, like matrix of, of holes uh your board manufacturer will hate you for that <laughs> <laughs> so so i think there's one uh, one thing that's um kind of good to talk about to kind of cap this off uh how do you indicate uh tented or plugged vias your solder mask layer correct so for a tented via just put solder mask over the uh the uh yep. vias now one thing that's important if you do that Technically, it's correct. Technically, that is proper. It would not hurt if... Well, let's put it this way. If if it's important that that 
via is tented and you want to absolutely make sure include a note with with your board tell your manufacturer yes i did intend to do this because sometimes it might happen on accident and the and they like we talked about last week uh a board manufacturer can potentially change your design this might be a situation where they're like oh well we're going to remove this mask Mm -hmm. from the top because it is extra processing for them um so uh that is something to, to look at now when it comes to um plugging vias you there's not like a direct gerber thing for that so no. you, you pretty much just have to like write a note to your yeah the the way i like people to do that is to send us like a an extra drill file mm-hmm. that is just the ones they want plugged yeah and so they give us one drill file that's everything all that good stuff and then they send us another one that says these are the ones that we want plugged and capped over because a lot of times the uh, the board manufacturer will charge you per plugged via right sometimes it's a flat charge it just really depends but so knowing which ones are plugged and which ones you don't want plugged is a it's pretty important right right and in sort of traditionally the the way to do that above and beyond you know yes the the drill file uh all of these notes technically get included on a fab drawing Mm -hmm. so you create a fab drawing that shows you know there's actually a lot of different fab drawings you can do but but traditionally there's there's sort of like you you supply one fab drawing that shows all the different points and you can say hey every um drill hit that shows an x is plugged every yep. drill hit that shows a triangle is ah yes is uh tented or whatnot now macrofab doesn't do it that way because macrofab the interface is like your fab drawing yeah but but when it comes to plug v's you still kind of have to tell macrofab yeah so the extra drill drawing is is yeah. nice yeah so cool yep anything else about tented vias i think or that- badge Designs. <laughs> I think we, we should tent and plug every via on the badge to design. Make it smooth. Make it smooth. Make it real smooth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. Take it easy, guys. Later. Thank you, yes, you are a listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or vias that you want to be plugged, text us at, oh no, not text us, tweet us at podcast, oh, MacFab. That's when you go off script and it doesn't work, does it? (laughs) (laughs) You need another beer. Yep. Ah, if you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel, which we'll be talking about vias and stuff like that. Plugging stuff. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You can plug your project on our Slack channel. (laughs) 